book of Exodus, chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles in the seat backs. Feel free to grab one of those and read along with us because there is going to be a lot of scripture read this morning. Um, we have a good, good chunk because of the conversation between um, God and Moses. Exodus chapter 3, verse uh, 16 through Exodus chapter 4, verse 17 is our, our passage for today. Let's, uh, let's start by opening with a word of prayer, if you don't mind. Heavenly Father, we thank you again, Lord, for this time. Uh, we're just so um, gracious, uh, great, uh, grateful for what you have done. Uh, we are humbled by the fact that uh, we are these uh, people who are uh, broken and crooked, and um, you saw fit to make us clean and straight and uh, give us your righteousness. And uh, we are humbled beyond measure uh, for that. We are just uh, so thankful for all that you do. I, I pray, Lord, in this time that, that your word rings true, that the truths and principles that you've set forth through Scripture are what uh, pierce the hearts of, of us today and that ultimately you're... you're you are glorified in this time. Uh, this is our prayer today, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the last two months we've spent here in the book of Exodus, and uh, it's, it's been, if I'll be honest, it's been highly beneficial for me. I was really, really, really intimidated when Pastor said that that's where we were going to be headed uh, because Old Testament is, is not... A strong suit for me so I was like really really nervous about how I'd be able to preach and and all these things because New Testament a lot of it is just do this and don't do that this is what Christ has done for you you're just kind of reiterating what's what's going on but in the Old Testament we get a lot of narratives we get a lot of stories and it tends to make it a little more difficult because I talk a lot and I like telling a lot of stories uh, so it's kind of hard to tell the story of a story uh, but God has been good he's been faithful he's been gracious he's been kind and and he's um, he's been working in my heart through this time, and I'm, I'm very, very thankful for that. Uh, but with that said, in our passage today, God speaks to Moses, and he tells him what needs to be done, uh, what will happen, and what will happen when he does it. Uh, but Moses is not so sure if this will actually work. I mean, he was a guy that lived in Egypt for 40 years, did some, some silly stuff, took off, has been gone for 40 years, so he didn't leave Egypt in the greatest of terms with, with the uh, Israelite people. So he's probably thinking they wouldn't even listen to him anyways, even if he was to come. Um, so if God wanted to do something, right, he should, in Moses' mind, he should probably send someone else, someone a little more qualified, someone uh, with less history with the people, uh, maybe someone that's just better than who Moses thinks he is or knows who he is, someone a little more suitable for the job. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, uh, Brother David mentioned this in, in Sunday school this morning, is that we, we make excuses for ourselves and why God should use someone else, why uh, someone else is more qualified, why it's, it's, it's better off to, to use someone else for the things that he's called us to. Uh, but I believe, and I think we should all uh, believe this as well, is if you have trusted in Christ, uh, Deep down within you somewhere, there is a desire to be obedient to what God has called you to, to do what God has called you to do. 
But what tends to happen is we get too comfortable with the life that we have and uh, we don't do what God has called us to. We make excuses, we procrastinate, or sometimes we're just fearful or scared of the calling that God has placed on our lives. So, I, you know, I tend to think, when I think about that, how God used Moses and how we tend to make excuses for ourselves today, I think if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we tend to think, well, if God spoke to me like he spoke to Moses, or if I was on the road to Damascus like Paul and God showed himself to me and spoke to me like he did Paul, I would do what they, what these men did as well. I would, I would, there would be no doubt in my mind that I would just do it because he saw it. He would make himself known to me. He would speak uh, the truths of himself, make it evident without a doubt that he is God. And, and then I know for sure without a shadow of a doubt that I can do the things that he's told me to do. Now that's, that's what we tell ourselves. I believe, I know I've told myself that before, but what we will see from today's passage is that Moses was given all those things and it still wasn't enough for him. And I think if we think about that with ourselves, if it didn't work for Moses, it probably wouldn't work for ourselves as well. So, uh, so yeah, so this message today is called the, the call, the complaint, and the companion, because we're going to see these three things in our passage today. Uh, if you're taking notes, the sermon summary will be this. God's faithfulness is in no way dependent on man but man must be completely dependent upon the faithfulness of God. Once again, that's God's faithfulness is in no way dependent on man, but man must be completely dependent upon the faithfulness of God. So let's start off by reading um, about this call that was given to Moses in Exodus chapter 3, verses 16 through 22. It says this, Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the afflictions of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go a three days journey into the wilderness, that we may sacrifice the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. And I will give this uh, people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold, jewelry, and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. So to kind of summarize that, right, we got a a mouthful there. God tells Moses that when the elders, the leaders of the Hebrew people, hear what God has to say, they will believe what he says. He and these elders will then go before Pharaoh to request to be freed to worship the one true God. But Pharaoh, being hard-headed and also hard-hearted, will not submit to the will of God and will be punished accordingly. And although the Israelites are being uprooted from everything they know, and everything they have, they will not leave Egypt 
empty-handed, but with possessions to sustain them on the, the, on the journey that's ahead. So this call that Moses has been given is a promise of God. God has declared that these things shall come to pass. God has spoken and the path has been set, and all Moses has to do is walk in it. There's no mention of persecution or pain or suffering, uh, nothing like the Apostle Paul got with his call. He, he was told that, he will, uh, that God will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of Christ. But Moses isn't given that. He's told to go. These people believe you're going to go to Pharaoh. He won't. I'm going to do these signs. And then all of y'all are, are going to uh, take off uh, out of Egypt with, with more than you, you came into Egypt with. Now, if, if we were told something like this, it, I mean, it'd be nice to hear the audible instruction of God for our day-to-day life. Hey, you're going to go to work today. You're going to do these things. This will happen to you. But respond in this way, and everything's going to work out. You know, I think that makes me think of, you know, when we think about the word of God, we're just kind of like, God, if you just told me, if I had a sign that told me specifically do this one thing, I would do it. But in reality, we've been given God's word through these 66 books, and it gives us everything we need to live in this life. He gives us wisdom. He gives us parameters in which we are to live. He tells us how we should worship him, how to pray, uh, how we are to forgive each other, how we've been forgiven, right? Everything that we need for this life has been granted to us through his spirit, but then also through his word as the instruction for us. Uh, so we, like Moses, don't really have an excuse, but the thing is, are we willing to take the time to read what God's word says? And not only read what it says to give us the instruction, but are we willing to obey, to, obey it? Are we willing to follow the things that he has said? Now, for for Moses, this was him. The command that he was given was for him to leave this life of contentment he had in Midian as a shepherd. Right. He was raising sheep. He was shearing sheep. He was selling sheep. He was shepherding sheep. All he had to do was make sure that these sheep didn't get eaten and that they ate, go home and eat himself. And life was good. Right. I mean, life life was good. Yeah. I mean, he may he may not have smelt the best as a shepherd, uh, but he had, a, he had a fairly easy life, right? I mean, he, it, was, it was a life of contentment. And Moses, we see that Moses says it himself in chapter 2. So Moses here was, was told to, uh, to, to, to travel, uh, excuse me, he was called to travel to this, to this land he had once been. It wasn't an, an unknown area, it's just he hadn't been there in over 40 years, right? He spent his first 40 years of life in Egypt. He, he books it and he leaves Egypt for 40 years. Um, and, and he's, you know, there's some, some thoughts in the back of his mind of what Egypt's like now after he had left. If we consider that today, I know Pastor mentioned, I think he's right at 40. I'm 34. So uh, if Moses had left here 40 years ago, I'd have no idea who this guy was, right? If he was to come and say, hey, it's time for us to leave. We're going to do these things. I'd be like, man, who are you, right? Like, who is this guy thinking to tell me what I should do? That's probably what's going through the mind of Moses, right? That these people don't know me and the ones that do probably don't like me. Uh, why are they going to believe that I'm coming from the God that sent him? Why, is, why would their God send this guy to them, a guy that's unqualified? Uh, why wouldn't he send someone better, someone who, who has, who's done the right things? Why wouldn't he use that type of person? <clears throat> but this call was given to Moses. This may have been his thought, but it was, it was his. God, gave, God chose Moses for this call. He told him to go to leave this place and go. Uh, you want to be here, but I'm telling you it's time to go. 
And he's not telling him to go to some random place or uh, to walk by some sort of blind faith, which is an un- unbiblical term. Uh, but what he has told him, he has told him where to go. He has told him what to do. And he tells him what will happen when he does it. Right. He couldn't give him a clearer path to victory in his life. So in essence, uh, what Moses is being told here as a shepherd is similar to what Jesus told the Pharisees in John 10. Listen to this. This is John 10, 1 through 5. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep will follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Right. So what Moses is being told, what Jesus is saying here is when, when, they, when Moses, when you speak to these people, they will know that I am who I am has sent you. They will, they will follow you because my sheep know my voice. Amen? If God has spoken and you are his, right, this is for you today. If, if God has spoken and you are his, you will follow him. That, that is the, the natural disposition of those who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ. If God has spoken, you are his, and, and sometimes this is, is gradual, right? It's, it's not always leaps and bounds in the life of the Christian. Sometimes it's a slow, grueling crawl, but there is obedience. We do follow Christ to, whether it's tenfold, thirtyfold, or a hundredfold, we begin to follow Christ in our life. Obedience is a mark of a child of God. And obedience and holiness, these things go hand in hand. And they are a huge indicator of whose we are. Am I following Christ and all that he has commanded? Or am I just kind of doing what's comfortable for me and neglecting the things that are difficult because God knows I'm not perfect? Right. I mean, he knows I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not like that other Christian that, that does this and that. I don't I don't have those tools. Uh, so God's not expecting me to do those things. Which one, which category do we fall in? We must know that if God has commanded it in his word and we are not and if we are not doing it or we are unintentionally neglecting it, we are in, we are actually in sin. Right? We are sinning by not doing what God has called us to do. Now, you may say, well, I haven't read all of God's word. What's stopping you? Right. What's stopping you from reading his word? Because he's given it to us. I mean, he, we can listen to it. There's audible Bibles. Right. We can read it. Uh, there's, there's so much technology for today. There is no excuse for us not to be in God's word, right? So if we say, well, I don't know what God has told for me to, you got his word right here. God is faithful to his people. You read his word. He will speak to you through his word. That's how we learn what to do, right? We, we have no excuse. We are without excuse. Now you may tell yourself, right? Cause I, I said this, I read a book and it kind of challenged me in this. And, and I, these are the thoughts I had, like, Laramie, you know, you're being a little legalistic, a little pharisaical here by telling me I have to do these things, right? Aren't we under grace and no longer under the law? 
Well, Jesus himself said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, right? If, if you love me, you will do these things. And what we are saying is, or what we're not saying, is do these things and be saved. We're saying if you are saved, you will do these things. These are, these are natural byproducts of those who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ, right? If my sheep hear my voice, they will follow. It's a natural progression in the life of the Christian. So this call that was given to Moses, it was clear. There was, there was no, uh, it, there was, it was clear. It was clear for him. But what was Moses' response, right? What, what response did Moses give to God? <clears throat> well, I tend to think we mentioned it this morning, and I keep going back to Sunday school, but I, these, I mean, they talked about Moses in Exodus, right? This is Moses in Exodus. But uh, as he said, and it's, it's a Christian cliche, but it's true, uh, God doesn't call the equipped, he equips the called, right? That, that's what God does. Moses is a prime example of that. And as we look at our next section of scripture, we will see just that for him. So let's look at, at Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. So Exodus chapter 4, verses 1 through 9 says this, Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? He said, A staff. And, and he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, put out your hand and catch it by the tail. So he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And when he put his hand inside his cloak and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. And so he put his hand back inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, it was restored like uh, the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. If they will not believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, you shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on the dry ground, and the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the ground. Now, there's another chunk of scripture here but to kind of summarize this Moses response kind of kind of sounded like this look God uh, I know I know I know I heard you I know you promised but I don't know man I don't know I, I don't know I don't know right uh, now this but uh, when, when we hear a but Moses uh, not necessarily a good thing but we hear a but God right this is a good thing so in uh, excuse me but from God is a good thing, but when we hear a but in response to what God has said, this is not a good thing. So let's look back at Exodus chapter 3, just a couple verses before in verses 11 and 12. This says, this is a prime example of this. But Moses said to God, who am I, or who, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Right, this is a but Moses that we get here. God said, but I will be with you. Right, when it's a but God but God, I will be with you. Or what about in Ephesians? Here's another one that we get a, a, a but God from, from, from him in the word. It says, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Right? When, when God makes these buts, these, these 
it's, it's a good thing. When we do it, we're trying to take exception with what God has already spoken. So this complaint, this but that Moses offers, uh, was given in spite of the promise of God. God had declared that these things will come to pass. God spoke and prepared the good works beforehand for Moses to walk in. All Moses had to do was walk. That, that's, that's all he had to do. But apparently God doesn't know these Israelites as well as Moses does. Right? Apparently Moses, being gone 40 years, uh, he's, he's had perfect insight to how these uh, Israelites think, act. I mean, he knows them apparently better than God does, right? Uh, Yahweh, right, the covenantal name of God, who cannot lie, tells Moses, this will happen, go and do it. Right? The God who cannot lie tells him, go do these things. They will happen. God, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. Right? Moses finds an excuse. He, he finds reasons to not want to do what God has called him to. He is walking by sight and not by faith. He is allowing his circumstances to lead him. Right? That, that's, that's what he is doing here. Why do you think he was doing this? I think there's probably a hundred reasons um, but I'll give you one, because I think we tend to think when God has called us to something, it can't be as easy as he says it is. Right. It can't be that easy. Right. I can't just go back to where I was, where I murdered someone and I've left my people in grueling persecution and suffering for 40 years. And now they're going to listen to me 40 years later after I probably made it worse for him by murdering an Egyptian and just fleeing like that. Like that, it can't be that easy, right? I, I know, I know you're the guy. You had this consuming fire. You made my hand leprous and then clean again. You made the staff into a snake and back again. But this, this is this is a different level, right? This is a different level of, of miracles, right? Because I, 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 I can't do that. I, I, you can't use me for something like that, right? But what did what did Jesus say? We keep going back to New Testament, right? Because this is. Old Testament revealed stuff. So in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, I think we get a clear answer as far as can it really be that easy? He says this, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, who are heavily burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. What did he mean? Right. Is he talking about deeds? No, he's, he's saying in this in these in these verses here, we may take it that way. But what he's talking about is he's saying salvation is of the Lord. Salvation is, is of God. I have carried that burden for you. Trust in me. Repent and believe that I am that good shepherd. In me and in me alone, you will find rest. It is that easy. It is that easy. Church, peace is found only in the will of God, not apart from it. It is not found in, I know you said so, God, but you don't know what I'm up against here. You don't know where I've been, what I've done how incapable, how ill-equipped I am. You don't know any of that stuff. I know you're God. I know you're, the eyes of the Lord are everywhere, but they, 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 they're, 
you don't know what my experiences are, right? I've never succeeded at these things. I, I murdered someone, and now I left, and now you want me to go back. All these things could have possibly been going through the mind of Moses. But where peace is found is in when we say things like this. I may not know or fully understand why, but God, I know what you've said, and I will trust you, and I will follow you. Man, right? I, I don't know fully. You have said it, and I trust you. I trust you with my life. You are a God who cannot lie. There is peace only in you, in your will. That's, that's the only place I'll find that. That's the only place I'll find rest. It's easy. It's that simple, right? It's, it's simple enough for a child to understand, to grasp the depths of God's grace and his love for us, right? It's that, it's that simple. But what, what happens? We, we muddle it up and, and try to add things to it. It's that simple. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Now, what we will come to find out is, <clears throat> and whether you realize this now or not, is that people and circumstances aren't our biggest obstacles in life. They're not the things that, that stop us from doing what God has called us to. We may think that they are, well, you don't know my boss, or you don't know my wife, or you don't know my husband, you don't know my kids, uh, you don't know my health situation, you don't know what I've been through. Why We can tell each other these things, uh, but our circumstances, other people are not the biggest obstacles uh, to, to hinder us from doing God's will in our life. If we were to ask, if you were to ask me what is, I would tell you it is your own pride, your own self-preservation. It is ultimately you. It lies within here. This is our biggest obstacle in this life between us and doing God's will. Why else would God say, deny yourselves, pick up your cross, and follow me? Right? He didn't say deny friends and family. There's portions of scripture where we may have to forsake others, right, for his name. But as far as what prevents us from doing God's will, it's always, it's always, it starts here. It starts here. When, he, when Jesus made this command right after he performed many miracles, doing the uh, feeding the 5,000 and doing these other things, when he told them to, pick, to deny themselves, pick up their cross and follow him, a large majority of them turned away. They, they, they wanted nothing to do with that. They wanted everything to do with the signs that God could do for them, these miraculous deeds, but they wanted nothing to do with the denial of self. You know, they, it's not that simple. I can't just deny myself, right? I can't do that. It's, 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 it's not that simple. But we are our own worst enemy. So Jesus has told us to deny ourselves, to pick up that cross that he has given us and walk in it. His yoke is easy. His burden is light. So back to Moses. What did God do for Moses in this portion of scripture that we see here? Well, he left him without an excuse, right? I mean, Moses is offering up these excuses. God responds. He made his staff a serpent, turned it back into a staff, gave his hand leprosy, turned it back healthy. Then even told him, if this isn't enough, man, just scoop some water out of the Nile, pour it on dry ground, it's going to turn into blood. So basically what he's telling him, if we're going to have some like modern Laramie translation of, of what is going on here, basically what he's telling Moses is, look, bruh, you can come up with 101 excuses, but none of them will be good enough. Do what I've called you to do. Just go and do it. No excuses will work. Right? That, I mean, that, that's, that's what we have here. But just like us, it's never 
enough. And even when we don't have a good excuse, we tend to find a poor one to cling to because we just don't believe God is who he says he is and will do what he says he will do. This leads us to our final portion of scripture. What happens when enough isn't enough, right? We've been given this call. We've offered our excuses. We've given this complaint. Uh, What's next? Well, let's read about the companion. Uh, We see this in verses 10 through 17. Excuse me. It says this, but Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Uh, Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now, therefore, go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth. And I will be with your mouth and with his mouth. And I will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people and he shall be your mouth and you shall be as God to him and take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. Now to summarize this little chunk, God has sent out his will. He has given Moses everything he needs uh, for this, for his life and godliness. And it's still not enough. God's grace for this mission was enough, but even this wasn't enough for Moses. He was his own worst enemy. Now, this does not paint Moses in a good light, right? We tend to think that, you know, when we think of stories of Moses, all these great things he did, he's a hero of the faith, and, and we tend to have him in this, in this great light. And, and needless to say, in spite of him, God did some pretty miraculous things. But what we must remember is that Moses authored this book, right? He authored the first five books of the Bible. And it would call into question, like, well, why did he make himself look so bad, right? Why is he giving all these excuses and you would, you would kind of think if, if man's writing a book, right, this is hypothetical, uh, if man's writing a book, he's not going to necessarily rag, you know, drag himself through the mud. Why is he allowing himself to look this way? He could have told this story and left out some of these details, and it still would have been true. Now, if we think about that, for one, this, the, the first thing that we see is that this story here is not about Moses, right? I mean, we're getting, we're getting a biography of Moses' life, but this story is not about Moses. It's not about Aaron. It's not even about the Israelites, right? This story of the Exodus isn't even about the Israelites. This story is about God and his faithfulness, right? God is faithful to an unfaithful people. Even when we are faithless, God remains faithful. Think about that. God is so good to us, right? He is so good. We sin against him every single day, multiple times throughout the day, and God remains faithful. We are no different than Moses. We come up with excuse after excuse when God has called us to do things, and then we keep feeding him all this baloney, right, that that he wants no part of. Uh, But God is faithful in spite of our unfaithfulness. So as Moses writes this letter, there is no doubt in my mind that Moses is thinking 
this very same thing, that God is so good, that he is so faithful. Who are we that he is mindful of us? So in spite of his doubt and fear, God gave him a companion, right? God gave more grace. Even though what he gave him was sufficient for him, he continued to bless Moses. He gave him a mouthpiece to overcome the biggest obstacle that was in his way, which was not his tongue, but his own pride, his own self. In spite of that, God gave him a companion. This companion that Moses was given proves to be a blessing and also an hindrance over the course of his life. Temporarily, this may have eased Moses' mind, but Aaron would be the one overseeing the construction of a golden calf built for the Israelites to worship God. He would also father two children that would offer God strange fire and be consumed by a fire from heaven. As we know, Moses knew better than God, right? He knew, God, yeah, yeah, sure, I know you want me to do this, but I'm slow with speech, you know, I got this, this jacked up tongue, you got to use someone else, right? I mean, you, you got to. But yeah, so Moses, he, he sees a burning bush he is, he, that's not consumed by fire. He hears the audible voice of God. He witnesses multiple miraculous signs, but it's simply not enough. Right? He says, I am not eloquent. I am slow of speech and of tongue. He's saying, I don't do words well. Right? That's, that's really what he's saying. My verbal skills, they're lacking. Uh, this term slow of speech actually means a, like a burdensome task. It's kind of like... Uh, a stressed out mom in a grocery store trying to wrangle her kids as she's buying groceries, right? You, you just see the, the anguish on her face as she's trying to keep these, things, these kids from crying and breaking stuff and getting them in the store, getting them out of the store. Um, I've, I've had that issue with the kids myself, so that's why I can relate. I'm like, man, this is, uh, this is burdensome, right? This is not a light and easy burden. Uh, it's, 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 uh, it's a task. Uh, but what was God's response to that when he says, well, I'm not eloquent, right? Why would you want me up front speaking to these people? Because they're not going to like the way that I say it. You know, even it's going to be distracting for the hearers. This, I, I love what God says here. He says, who has made man's mouth, right? Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? God tells, is basically telling him, I made your mouth, now use it what I made it for. Right, I made your mouth that way, and I want you to use it to glorify me. Plain and simple, regardless of where we are, if we're slow of speech, slow in mind, slow in our walk, if we have disabilities, whatever is our hindrance that, that we cling to, it doesn't matter. God made us this way, right? He made us this way to glorify him, to bring him glory through our lives. We have no excuse to not do what he has called us to. How quickly do we forget whatever we do in word or deed, we are to do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. But once again, like Moses, right, when we fail, when we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Thank you, Jesus. He sent Moses a companion to be his mouthpiece, someone who wasn't slow of speech, but eloquent and articulate. We too, those who are in Christ, have been given a companion. And when we don't have the words to pray, he intercedes on our behalf of God according to the will of God. We call this companion our helper, our advocate, 
is the Holy Spirit of God. As the word of God is preached, he raises these dead, dry bones and, and this cold, dead heart to newness of life and makes a dwelling place within us. Therefore, like Moses, we have no good excuse to not follow the will of God. He has called us to obedience and to be those who will be sent out to see the deliverance of his people from the bondage of sin that ensnares them. That's good news, folks. That's good news, right? Amen, right? Like God has saved us not to just sit back and make excuses. He saved us to take this message to the world and to save those lost in that same bondage that we have. So in closing, the call has been given, the complaints have been made, but God has given us a companion, which is himself. What will you now do with this gift? Will you continue to make excuses as to why you cannot do what God has called you to? Or will you take this time to reflect on God's word and how it pierces and divides and judges the hearts and intentions of men so that you will recognize how far off you've ran from the will of God in your life? God has spoken to both types of these people. Once again, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, has promised that he is gracious and merciful and will not turn away his face from you if you return to him. That is a promise of God, right? That is a promise from God. If you turn from your ways and return to him, he will be gracious and merciful to you. There is no denying that. that, that it's that easy. It is that easy. It's, it's not that difficult, right? If we turn to him, he is gracious and merciful. The good news, or excuse me, if we repent and believe in this, in this precious gospel that he's given us, it's this good news that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. That those who have been justified by faith in Christ now have peace with God. We are to deny ourselves and our excuses, and he will give us the strength needed to do the things that he has called us to. Now, when it comes to the call of God on your life and all that we have talked about today, let me leave you with this passage of scripture. It is in Hebrews chapter 7, uh, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 15. Listen to these words. It's, it's a little tough to, to, to gather, but it speaks to the people, in, uh, the Israelites during the Exodus and how we are to use them and as, as an example of how we are to live today. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 7 through 15. It says this. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we, if we have, for we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. Let's pray.